Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. And today's guest is Connie Graff. Connie is a Swiss certified expert in finance and accounting and a certified clutter clearing practitioner. She helps people create supportive, clutter-free environments in their home and office, files and finances, but more importantly, she helps them develop intentional habits, systems, and processes that prevent any kind of clutter from creeping back in. Her motto is, Clearing clutter is self-love, and a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away. She lives on a small farm near Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. She has a certificate in permaculture design from the University of Oregon, and she's in the process of transforming her property into a permaculture paradise with the help of her horses, chickens, dogs, and cats. Connie, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, me too. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for having me. Absolutely. I do have quite a few questions for you because I'm really curious about this. I know that as a person who's relocated several times for job opportunities and promotions, every time I would move, I would have a lot of stuff that I would be going from one state to another state and back to another state. And in one of my moves, this might sound very peculiar to people. I had so much that I actually had cabinets built in my garage and just put everything inside the cabinets and then forgot about them. They want to get the chaos. Let me ask you, how did you become interested in what inspired you to become a certified clutter clearing practitioner? Yeah, I was a very weird kid. <laughs> so I always say I clutter cleared already before clutter clearing was really a thing. So growing up, I was a very sensitive child. And I just noticed how the environment has an effect on me. My mother always wanted to have me to have a really orderly room, which is fine. Most parents want that. But I also was rebelling against it. Then I noticed that if the room, and not necessarily the way she wanted it, but at least the way I wanted it, if the room was in a way that I liked it, I felt so much better than if it was a chaos. And just in general, when I started moving furniture around and everything, how I felt differently all of a sudden if the bed was here or the bed was over here. And so this is how it started. Of course, that was when I was a child and nobody talked about clutter back then and anything. I can relate because I remember feeling a certain kind of way as a child when my mother would clean and everything would be in its place. And it gave me a personal feeling of peace. And I felt just more emotionally settled. Mm -hmm. And then when we either had to clean our room or my mom cleaned the room, I always felt really good. Mm -hmm. So I knew there was something going on with it, but I wasn't conscious of it at that time. Connie, rewinding a little bit, what is a Swiss 
financial expert. Yeah, it's like a CPA. I'm Swiss certified, so I'm certified in Switzerland and not in the US or in Canada. And that is the official title that I got when I did that certification, Swiss certified expert for finance and accounting. But it's basically a CPA. Accountant degree is common in your country. Now, do you currently use that certification in the work that you do? I'm just curious. Yeah, I do. I still do. I'm still in finance. Wanted to get away from it 100%, but it's following me. I'm good with numbers. So I still have clients that I do financial organization and accounting and controlling for. Very interesting. You've got that left brain, right brain thing going on, which is very interesting. I cannot make up my mind which one I like better. When I worked in corporate, I was in finance and I unconsciously probably, or in a way still intentionally, I created my desk or my office, my work environment in a way that was supporting me. And so people were always commenting and saying, everybody has a mess on their desk, but you have always this clean, clear desk. You must have nothing to do. And I'm like, on the contrary, I have so much to do. I can't deal with chaos on top of it. And so this is how it all started. And people started asking me, can you tell me what are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you so organized or have such a clean environment when you're so busy? So that's like the short (laughs) version of the year long evolution of how I got into this. Let me ask you this question, because I think there might be some people who might be hybrids in terms of clutter or chaos. Let's just say their visual environment is in place. If you were to look at their environment, but if you open up cabinet doors and closets, you see where the chaos is. Can you talk about the emotional side of clutter cleaning and how you work with clients to help them let go of items that hold sentimental value? or emotional attachment? My mom was that way. So our house always looked, I always choked and said, it looked like a museum. You were not allowed to touch anything. You were not allowed to put anything anywhere because it all had to look pristine. But the minute you open some kind of a closet or cupboard, it was like everything was falling towards you. And it's a longer discussion, but clutter is always a representation of something. So if you're just shoving it into closets and putting it away, it's similar. Like if you're not wanting to be aware of certain emotions and you're just stuffing them down into your unconscious or you're just pretend like it doesn't exist. That's what we're doing. It's like avoiding dealing with it. Doesn't mean it goes away and it doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect on you and even on your brain. Also, again, I'm a left brain geek, so they have scientific proof on that, but we can also feel that we don't even need to be a scientist or anything. We know, and you can ask those people, they may not want to admit it, but if they just ask themselves, they know that they have a mess in there and they know it weighs heavy on them. Every time they open, they get irritated, frustrated or whatever, because they can't find anything. So it's still here. They're just pretending like they don't have it or they don't want to deal with it. It will catch up eventually on them <laughs> when they have to move, for example. As you... <laughs> So yeah, so always want to make sure is that we don't make anybody wrong. So the clutter is just a symptom what's going on with you, but that doesn't mean you are wrong or you're doing something wrong. It's just how you are. And if, let's say, if it works for you, (laughs) I don't want to tell you you should be different. I'm here to inform you 
or educate you what the effects are. And the effects are still here, whether you hide it or not, or whether you put it in cupboards in the garage like you did, or whether you stuff it down in the basement or above in the attic. The effect of all that stuff is still here. And we can become woo-woo and say, yeah, you're energetically connected to everything you own. You are your unconscious knows every single thing you own and so this is weighing on you and you will notice how it's weighing on you when you start getting rid of it now science again is starting to prove more and more what i'm talking about with brain scans and with just studying the human being yeah there's nothing wrong with it it's just you're not wanting to see (laughs) what bothers you you're trying to avoid it The reason why I laugh about that is because every year here in the States, there's an encouragement to donate your unused items to Goodwill. And I always think to myself, wow, what would happen if I got rid of all these clothes and all these shoes and maybe kept maybe one or two and I started from scratch and didn't have all of this? I wonder what that would feel like. Mm -hmm. I never do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I never do it. I just wonder about what it would feel like not to have the things that I've held on to. I have this thing about getting rid of books. And I've got a lot of books that I've read over the years on leadership and on health and fitness and a couple of romance novels here and there. (laughs) (laughs) We have to have those. And I have them in boxes in my garage. Boxes. It's like, why don't I just call Goodwill and just one day say, come on by and all this stuff away but mm-hmm. I've never done. yeah you're not the only one you're not the only one and I think it, it might also be too radical so that is why one of the things is a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away you're holding on to this for dear life whether it's books or clothes or whatever it is and then we're dreaming of oh if I would just get rid of it all at once it has a side effect because when you're too radical you can't keep up with it like you may have hired me for example and did what I don't suggest you do clutter clear your whole house, but you yourself haven't changed. Your habits haven't changed. No, your internal hasn't really had the time to change or adjust. And most of the time, what happens when people do this, then the clutter creeps back in because we're feeling odd in our house. It's odd. All is nice and neat. All of a sudden, I can't handle it. So we're starting to create a chaos again. If you go slow, you have a chance to observe what habits you have that do create the clutter and maybe change them gradually over time. And also your your inner self has time to adjust to how the environment looks different. And then you start enjoying when it looks less chaotic or rather than feeling really out of place all of a sudden in a home that has no chaos when it had chaos before. That is really a thing. And then people beat themselves up. Oh, I can't stay organized. No, it's because you didn't give your inner self enough time to actually catch up to whatever whatever plan you had in your head. I know of someone who lost all her possessions because her house got flooded and everything was had to go to the dump. And for her, it worked. She, in hindsight, says it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But for most people, that's way too drastic, way too dramatic. What you said makes perfect sense to me. It really does. And I think the 15 minutes a day, that's the only thing that actually keeps my house in order. It's also more sustainable. Decluttering is self-love, but it's only self-love if you actually do it in a loving way and not force yourself to get to a point where you are actually not really ready to be. So that's why I'm saying maybe you could just start letting go of certain things if that's what you choose to do. 
with books. A lot of people have trouble with books. As you may know, I have a podcast too. I have a whole episode about that. There's some f- people that call books their friends. I would be one of them, but I still don't have that many books because just like friends, we want to make sure we have the right ones. <laughs> That's a good point because I've got this might be one or two that I can keep. Yeah, I have a whole list of questions that you can ask yourself about books, especially nonfiction, because oftentimes they were really serving us at the time. And that's why we're so attached to them. But when we're realizing that we're actually evolved and moved forward and that we're way ahead of whatever knowledge that we read back then, we can maybe let it go easier. And again, I'm never telling anybody they have to let go of something. I'm just trying to tell them maybe you're really hanging on to it for nostalgic reasons, but you are actually in a different point and you really don't need them anymore. And and that it doesn't say that these books were wrong or that they're outdated or whatever. It just means they're not relevant to the stage of life you're in right now. I can appreciate that. In one of your podcasts, or conversations, you talked about not being radical, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. perhaps looking at it from a different perspective of I'm giving it attention, like 15 minutes a day to chip mm-hmm. away and chip away. I can relate. And I like that approach because mm-hmm. I think that's a great approach to stay organized on a daily basis. That would be a positive start for most people. To the visual, it's like everything is in its place. And when it's not in its place, that's where the 15 minutes comes in. So I'll do this, I'll put this over here and get everything staged for the next day. So every night there's a ritual of getting everything in its place. So from that standpoint, check. Yeah. You got to deal with stuff in the closet and the cabinets. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I call self-love. No, because you set your, you just said it, you set your stage for the next day. That's what you're looking after yourself for tomorrow morning when you're getting up and you maybe have get out of the house in a rush or you don't want to get out in a rush. No. So you're setting the stage and it's the same with any environment that, that you create. It's also with the office. That's what I always did when I was working in corporate. Every evening before I left the office, I would take five minutes and just put everything away. In the morning when I come in, I didn't have to look at the mess and already my energy sink. I'm like, oh my God. I can't imagine what that would be like to walk into an office in the morning. It's just like getting up and the kitchen is in disarray. You yeah. know, dishes in the sink, countertop, that blows my mind. I couldn't yeah. be in that type of environment personally. But in the office, in terms of having things in place, the same discipline there, mm-hmm. you know, the same discipline there. For those who are maybe faced with a reality, like you say, it's not a judgment. It just is no. an opportunity perhaps to live a better life with less stress and chaos. So that makes sense to me. You've talked about the emotional side of clutter. Now, if there is chaos, even in the process of getting something done, like a home project, let's just say. And in my mind, I'm thinking there's a way to be organized during a home project. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to look a mess. Why would anyone want that around them? So I have a habit of putting things in in place, even through the project, which is annoying to everyone else because they can deal with the chaos. Because in their mind, they see the finished project. In my mind, I see what's actually there. Yeah, they may just have a higher tolerance for chaos, but this scientifically proven that chaos or the surroundings have an effect on us. They study the brain. They can tell you that it actually has an effect on you. So the brain is really, I'm a little bit of a geek. So the brain is really a fantastic tool. It can block out 
a lot of what we don't want to see. And this is how some people think they can deal with chaos much better. But what happens is the brain also uses a lot of energy that we have, no? And then if the brain has to use the energy to block out chaos, that is energy that you could use actually better in another way. So they just have this higher tolerance and they're telling themselves that they have no problem with chaos, but they do. They just, they're so used to not having the mental energy for other things and using it for chaos that they are not really aware of it. That's very interesting. And now that I have that information, (laughs) I can better understand because it just perplexed me. I'm just here to inform you or educate you sometimes what the effects are. And the effects are still here, whether you hide it or not, or whether you put it in cupboards in the garage like you did, or whether you stuff it down in a basement or above in the attic. The effect of all that stuff is still here. And we can become woo-woo and say, yeah, you're energetically connected to everything you own. You are your unconscious knows every single thing you own and so this is weighing on you and you will notice how it's weighing on you when you start getting rid of it now science is starting to prove more and more what i'm talking about with brain scans and with just studying the human being there's nothing wrong with it it's just you're not wanting to see (laughs) what bothers you you're trying to avoid it can you give us an example of an client that you worked with who had an issue around the clutter and really wanted to get that under control and what some of the process was as you worked with them? Yeah, I had a client one. If you want to talk about emotional clutter too, is they had one child and they wanted to have a second one. So she kept everything from baby clothes, stroller, crib, whatever, you name it. She had it. She had it. And her older child was when we worked together probably already about eight or nine she had to start facing the fact that it's probably not going to happen that she is going to have a second child and again here we're not saying she has to get rid of everything or she has to declutter but this is where when she starts dealing with these things it has like an inside outside effect it helps her also cope or process her, I call that emotional clutter when we're not willing to deal with something that bothers us or that deal with something that is painful and we can't move on then, no? And so she started to face the fact that it's not going to happen. And by starting to work with me and starting to get rid of some of the things, not all of it, because like it's always the client's decision whether or not he or she wants to get rid of anything or they want to get rid of anything or not. But she wanted to move on. She said that grip it has on me, I want that to loosen. So we're just talking it through. And oftentimes things that in the beginning, when we first start thinking of it, oh, I could never let this go. When you emerge in the process and you're going slow and be kind to yourself and actually deal with it, you can then eventually let it go. So what happened to her was she found somebody who was in need need of a crib and a stroller and all these things. And she was to give these things to that person. And she herself kept pressure box with things that she wanted to keep that she could like 
mourn that she couldn't have more children, but still be very happy that she does have the ones. Not to say that she's never in pain that she couldn't have more children, but she didn't need the objects anymore to hold on to and fill her house with. She also had a very small house, so it was very freeing and liberating for everybody to have more space all of a sudden because all these things were not taking up space anymore because it was not meant to be and she could make peace with that, which I always say it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt anymore, but you faced it and you could let go of the object. You don't need the object anymore to be sad that it didn't work out the way you want it. There are, I'm sure, some emotional attachments to nostalgic periods in your life where you want to hold on to. I know I'm one that still has photographs and a lot of people have digitized everything, all this kind of stuff. And maybe I'll get to that point. However, there are some items of nostalgia and every now and then not photographs, but other items. I say to myself, what's the worst that can happen if I gave this away or if I have to repurchase? Again, what's the worst that can happen? My experience is that most people will never buy it again or very rarely where it becomes more difficult and more challenging is if you can't buy it again like photos you can't just buy your photos again from back way when you got married or when you were having a good time with your family or whatever you can't buy those and I totally get it I'm very sentimental and nostalgic too so that's the things that are more difficult to decide no but we don't have to start there most people start right there they start with the most most challenging thing and that's not the right approach because that is maybe something that you're never gonna get rid of but there is other things that you could just purchase again or why do you need three pairs of scissors or I met people that have I don't know how many spatulas in their kitchen I'm like okay how many spatulas a day do you need it's like even if one is dirty maybe you have two or three but you need 20 and, and this is just a silly example but that's what I mean we don't have to go to the most nostalgic crazy photos or books if books is for you the hard thing we don't have to go to the hard thing we can start with the easy things first brings me to have some thoughts around hoarding i'm not talking about just clutter person Uh, i want to say to that we sometimes say jokingly oh i'm just a hoarder and i think we have to be careful with the words we're using i think when i read it right there's only two or three percent of population that are true hoarders and that is actually a psychological disorder so we have to be really careful and it is very difficult for these people and i always say too i can't help those people because they need psychological help because these people what they found out is are keeping all these things and are hoarding all these things because that gives them safety their brain tells them that gives them safety when they have it all and they feel threatened when you take something away even if it's garbage and so if we're taking that knowledge and breaking it down to our stage which we are not hoarders and I don't like when somebody says I'm a hoarder I always correct them and say no you're not words are powerful be careful what you're saying but what we can do is we can think okay how does hanging on to all these things make me feel safe. Why would I feel threatened or unsafe if I would give away 10 of my spatulas of the 20, for example? Again, to use a silly example and to not make fun out of anybody, but sometimes we have to really go to the silly things to figure out why exactly, or have three pairs of scissors or five pairs of scissors in the kitchen. I know it's a real thing. And to your point, 
maybe those who are on a spectrum of having a lot of clutter in their minds, maybe they're thinking that they have more of a tendency towards holding on to too many things and are looking for a solution around that. So with that said, what are one or two things that a person can do to assess their environment and make a decision about decluttering if that's what the issue is? Most people who have too much stuff, if they're honest with themselves, they know it doesn't feel good. But giving it away is scary. Like I said, I'm not the psychologist and I'm not a psychiatrist. I can help people make decisions about their things and help them with clutter. I do have some training in there, but I will never claim I'm a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But what you have to figure out is why do you seek for safety in things when you need to seek the safety in yourself? No. So this is where you have to go. But this could be, of course, way too out there. I would just start paying attention to how you feel and start making small changes where you don't feel good. So what I often do with my clients is I say, let's take a love tour. I call it a love tour. There is something in your home that you really love, or there's a spot in your home, like a favorite chair in the living room, or you love your bedroom. Let's go there and then find out what is interfering with the place that makes you feel good. And oftentimes it's clutter. Like you have a beautiful chair that you love to sit on, but you always have to move all the laundry off of it first, or the side table is filled with stuff. Let's start there and just start noticing. And this is goes back to what I was experiencing when I was a child, start noticing how it makes you feel different and just always strive towards the light, we could say, or towards, towards the good feeling, no, and start there. Also, what I touched on already, don't start with the emotionally challenging things. Start with the easy stuff. I have never met a client or talked because I do virtual consultations that wouldn't have said, oh yeah, I know this could go. Well, why don't you just get rid of that, that you know in your head already, oh, this can go. Let's get rid of that first instead of the challenging things. And then again, just a few minutes a day, don't overdo it. So I just came back from Switzerland, for example, and I always say I may be physically back where I live in North America, but me somehow, my inside needs to catch up. And it's similar, like if we're going too fast in our environment, we can't catch up on the inside. This is what I would suggest, but always check in with yourself. How does it make you feel? And it's a difference whether it's new and it feels new and unfamiliar or whether it feels comfortable and oh it was always like this that's why i say you have to pay attention it's very subtle inside because when we're so used to chaos the not chaos may feel weird but you have to go below the weird and figure out does it feel weird good or <laughs> weird bad kind of that's interesting because i know it would make me feel really good i think the place for me to start is probably in my closet yeah <laughs> start with the stuff that you never wear and you know exactly that should have gone out of this closet for a long time already start there start with the easy stuff right. i greatly appreciate your time today connie and i look forward to connecting with you in the very near future okay same i look forward to it thanks okay. so much for having well, me Jeanette. thank you Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, 
rated and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning. <laughs>